All right, turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to John chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 42 through 47 this morning. And jumping right in, we're in the middle here uh, of a heated discussion between Jesus and a group of Jews who claim to be right with God. Now, these certain Jews, going back to verses 30 and 31, said that they put their faith in Jesus. They said that they believed in him. And so, in response to them, it's, it's kind of like Jesus is scratching his head. He says, now, wait a minute. You, you guys do not hold to my teaching. You don't believe what I have to say. You, you think you have the keys to the pearly gates simply because you're related to Abraham. And even beyond that, you want to kill me. You think God is your father and you are his children with that as your resume? Really? Well, just like Jesus did in the entire Sermon on the Mount, he challenged the validity of their profession of faith. Okay? He said back in verse 39, he says, If you were Abraham's children, which is what their claim to fame is, he says, then you would do the things that Abraham did. In other words, Abraham listened to God. Abraham believed God's words, and he obeyed God's words. But these Jews, going back even a couple verses more, in verse 37, Jesus said they had no room for his word. Nothing. Now, folks, if you claim the name of Christ, you, you really should be able to back it up. And I don't mean be able to answer a, a Bible question or, or be able to, to happen to spew something out about your Christian faith. Or, folks, if you, if you know Christ, if you claim to know Christ, the Bible says you must be born again. John chapter 3, verse 7. Remember there, Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a Jew, asked Jesus, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? Jesus says you must be born again. You must have a changed life. You must have a transformed heart. But here in chapter 8, they were more interested in their Abrahamic lineage than the truth that Jesus wanted to give them from God himself. Matter of fact, Jesus even said, he went so far as to say, you are just like your father. Now, if that was told to you or me, you might not think, that's too bad of a statement. It's not a horrible thing to say. But if you're told that your father is Satan, well, it's a whole other story, isn't it? Well, as usual, they deny Jesus' accusation. And they say in verse 41, the only father we have is God himself. In other words, just like the millions of people Today, they were unwilling to examine themselves on the basis of what Jesus had to say. Well, this is where we're going to pick up in our text this morning. 
Jesus is now going to respond to their assertion that the only father we have is God himself. They said that in verse 41. Read with me starting in verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Well, that's pretty straightforward stuff, don't you think? Not a lot of wiggle room going on there. Now, the sad part of reading this text is to know that most pastors and teachers today will not teach what Jesus just said himself. What he just proclaimed in that text, many of them won't say anything. Well, you know, Darren, it's 2022, and Jesus was just a little too harsh. We don't talk like that. He's a little over the top. What if he might trigger someone? Right? We want to be sensitive to people's feelings. We want to be subtle as we deal with their emotions. Really? What greater love, folks, can one have than to warn them that they fall decidedly short of God's standard and that they are on their way to a godless eternity? Folks, if you care about someone, then you tell them the truth. Many of us just got back from a conference, Bible conference. You remember the name of that conference, Truth Matters. You know, that just sounds stupid. You know how truthful that is? Truth matters. It really does. And it definitely matters in this situation here. Now, people may not like to be confronted with the challenge of their salvation, but without a doubt, it is the greatest support that we could ever offer them. Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, 21, many of you know this text, not surprising, he's talking to Jews there like he is here. But Jesus said, look at, he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. In another text, it says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. Folks, these are obviously religious people, some probably claiming to be Christians, right? Like these people here, oh, we believe. But Jesus says, well, you can say that all you want, but just because you say that doesn't mean you have the key to the pearly gates. Here is the key to your room, Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul told professing Christians 
as you've heard me say many times in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, what did he tell them? He said, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, he said. What, Darren, are you here to tell me that Paul challenged their Christianity? Yes, he did. That is correct. And you know why? It's because of the way that they lived. It's because of the things they said, because of how they treated people, and on and on and on. Folks, just because someone walks into, think about today, just because someone walks into a building that maybe has a sign out there that says church, just because they, they do that, or maybe happen to know some Christian doctrine, it does not necessarily mean they're saved. It doesn't mean that they are forgiven and heaven-bound. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, just like Paul in 2 Corinthians 13, are saying, where is the evidence? You've heard me say this many times, folks, but there is no such thing as an unchanged Christian. <clears throat> There's no such thing as an unchanged Christian. But you hear things like this all the time. I posted something today on Facebook, I think it was. But it's just this, it's just this mindset that you raise your hand, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, oh yeah, this, oh yeah, that, oh they, yeah. But your life has never changed one iota since that time you professed faith in Christ. That's not a very good redeemer if that is the case. Well, this is in essence what Jesus is telling this crowd back here in John. He's telling them that you could not be more deceived. Notice verse 42. He says, If God were your father, then you would love me. For I came from God, and now I'm here. <clears throat> I've not come on my own, but he sent me. So Jesus affirms his position here as God's representative. Okay, Because they say, oh, God's our father. He says, I, I am God's representative. He says, God, whom you say is your father, sent me to you. What Jesus says here, folks, is crystal clear. If God really was your father, that would be proven by your love for me, his son. If they were under the influence of God, which they claim they do, they wouldn't be trying to persecute Jesus. But they are. Turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John. Same author, Apostle John. First John chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> John says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Folks, it's impossible to love God while living life your way and yet shunning his. It's impossible to love God while not believing his word, as these people here did as well. 
But this is exactly what's happening in our text. I mean, this is, this is pretty cut and dry debate here between Jesus and these Jews. Don't tell me one thing while you're living your life another. Okay? It reminds me of today. How many times we, we, we hear people who think they're bound for heaven when they die. They reject God's word all throughout their life. They don't attend any worship service. They don't honor God in any way throughout this life, but somehow, some way, they're going to spend eternity with him. That just literally makes zero sense. This is why Jesus throws out this rhetorical question in verse 43. Just at the very beginning there, look at what he says. He says, why is my language not clear to you? Now, folks, Jesus already knew the answer to this question, but he asked this so he can actually give the answer to these people. Jesus' language was not clear to them, he says, look at verse 43, because they were unable to hear what he said. Now, back in verse 38, Jesus had already said, you do what you have heard from your own father. We already told you who their father is. You guys are doing what you hear from your own father. Now, folks, in the flesh, sure, there's no doubt that these folks were children of Abraham. Okay? But spiritually speaking, which is what Jesus is pointing towards, they were children of the devil. Now, just as a side note, Have you ever heard anybody, known somebody that says your name? Well, you know, we're all children of God. I had somebody tell me that one day before she died. I shared Christ. She didn't listen to what I had to say. Actually, her her response was, oh, well, I grew up as a Presbyterian. That was her response to the gospel. Okay, great. So, But today we live at a time where you can live your life in any sin. Of course, what's promoted is transgenderism, homosexuality, and any other deviant perversion. Well, Darren, we're all children of God. No, we're not. He says right here, there are children of God and there are children of the devil. I know that's, that sounds really harsh, but that is what the Word of God says. Okay? It's not Darren venting. It's just what Scripture teaches Now, they didn't comprehend, in our text, they didn't comprehend what Jesus was saying because they belonged to the other side. They belonged to someone else. See? They denied the truth because they were not a follower of the truth. Verse 44 reaffirms this and actually goes one step further. They were hardened. They were biased. They were not going to accept his word, because, look what it says, you belong to your, fa- your father. This is verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. Remember, they want to kill Jesus. It says he was a murderer from the beginning. They're not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. 
Understand, folks, everything that Jesus states in this verse that is a characteristic of Satan, Jesus is actually applying it to them because they are his children. That's what he's doing. You're a child of the devil, and you do just what he does. You're a murderer. You want to kill me. You're a liar, but you take after dear old dad. He's the father of lies, right? One commentator says the devil is a murderer and a liar, He seeks to deprive life and to distort truth. The Jews were merely demonstrating the truth of that old adage, like father, like son. This is how family ties work. They were inclined to carry out their father's desire, just like Jesus was inclined to carry out his father's desire, except their different relationships, different fathers. Jesus is basically saying, look it, you guys can believe me who was sent by the Father, right? And Jesus already said in verse 40 that he he tells the truth he heard from the Father, okay? He says, you can believe me, you can believe what I have to say because God told me what to say, or you can believe the lie. Now, despite what you might think, folks, yes, it is that cut and dry. You believe Jesus or you believe the lie. I don't care what religion, what affiliation, what cult of Christianity, doesn't matter. Here's Jesus and here's the rest of the world and every other belief system out there. One is the truth, everything else is a lie. It is that cut and dry. But that's what Jesus said. You can believe me, you can believe the lie. In Luke chapter 11, verse 23, you guys probably know this. Jesus says, you are either with me or you are what? Against me. That's it. You're with me or you're against me. When you break it down, folks, this is what Jesus is saying. This is what he wants these Jews to understand. They're choosing not to believe Jesus. They're choosing not to accept and believe his word. And therefore, they are, <clears throat> they are um, siding with the only other option there is, the devil. It's important we understand this, folks. There is no happy middle ground here. It's like you're kind of pregnant. There is no such thing. There's no happy middle ground. You're with me or you are against me. You will believe in me, the truth, or you believe the devil, the lie. People like to finagle this middle ground, but there isn't one. Matter of fact, I just want to show you the principle. Turn over to 2 Corinthians um, chapter 6. Different context, but I just want to show you the principle, what I'm talking about. People love to make statements today, well, just because I'm not like you, I'm not some fanatic, I'm not this, I'm not that, doesn't mean, you know, I'm a bad person, doesn't mean I'm going to hell, blah, 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 blah. Well, 
in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, once again, I just want to use this as a principle. He's talking here uh, about covenant relationships. Do not be involved in any kind of a covenant relationship with an unbeliever. I don't care if it's a marriage, if it's a, if it's a, a business, whatever it is, do not get involved with an unbeliever in any kind of a covenant-type relationship. And we all know this passage. Look what it says, starting in verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Folks, are you, are you seeing the point I'm trying to prove here? Look at what he's saying as far as believer, unbeliever. He says righteousness and then what? Wickedness. There is nowhere in between where, well, you've, and in between you have the nice guy. <laughs> He just says you're either the righteous or you are the wicked. You are either the light or you are either the darkness. What, look at Christ and Belial or Satan, the temple of God or the temple of idols. Do you see what I'm getting at there? There's no in between. You're this or you're this. You're with me or you're against me. And I think it's a good place where he shows that. Well, just because I'm not like you, that, uh, uh, stop. Go back to John 8. In contrast to these Jews and their father, who is a liar, Jesus says in verse 45, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. The first thing he points out here is that he is the truth teller, okay? He just flat out says, I am the truth teller. Now, he has already, just so you know, stated this many times in the Gospel of John. As Expositor's commentary says, it says, Jesus told them that because they were children of the devil and therefore did not know what the truth was. It didn't matter. Listen, folks, this is important, especially today. It didn't matter that they were religious because they were religious. Let's be honest. It didn't matter that they were religious. They lived in a world of lies and distortion and deceitfulness. In a sense, truth was a foreign language to them. Whereas in verse 44, right, like their father, the devil, their native language was lies. Now, there's two things to understand here on why they believe the lie. And remember, the lie is simply anything countering Christ. Number one, people believe the lie because of how harsh and how exposing the truth is them. People cannot stand, folks, to hear the absolute truth about themselves. We are sinners, folks. How many people today want to take sin out of the gospel? People don't need the gospel if they don't recognize they're sinful, depraved people, evil, vile. The Bible says we are enemies or at enmity with God. 
I don't care what to, you know, you ever listen to what society says sometimes? I think man is inherently good. Really? Really? You think man is inherently, conservatives, liberals, doesn't matter. They'll all tell you that. I think man is inherently good. No, we're not. We're inherently evil. We're born that way. We're born in sin. Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is what? Deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. How many times I heard Christians say, my heart tells me this. Well, that's part of your problem right there. They'll look at me right in the face and tell me that. Really? That's your problem. You follow your own deception. But this is part of the problem here, folks. We don't want to understand the fact that we're not good people. We're, We're deceived people. We all deserve hell. The heart of man is so proud that it does not welcome the truth because that truth reveals their detestable character. It reveals their lost condition. Coming to Christ is humbling. People don't want to be humbled. They don't want to be told how bad they are. As you know, light reveals darkness. Light reveals flaws. Light reveals sin. The truth exposes God's character as well as man's character. Of course, there's a glaring difference, isn't there? Number two, people believe the lie because they are so entrenched in a world that is full of lies and half-truths and fabrications that when they hear absolute truth, they just automatically reject it. Their entire life, everything they do, everything they say, when they go to work, everything is built on a lie. Or like I said, or half-truths or fabrications, whatever, deception. Everything they do is built on that. So when the truth comes along, they just reject it. Folks, when you, when you consistently over the years believe something, no matter how erroneous that it might be, when anyone comes up to you and opposes that belief system, it just doesn't compute with you. The lie has become the truth. And the truth is now the liar. When you live in that world, in that system every single day, That lie becomes truth. You live by it. You breathe by it. And the guy who comes along with simple truth, no, you're the liar. Really? Something so basic, so simple in the heart of man because their whole world is built on lies. I heard a pastor once say, you want to see literally... the world end, end, literally. You won't see the world end in about three days. If in Washington, D.C., starting tomorrow, every single person and politician told the truth because it's lived in a world of lies for so long, it would come to an end. Can you imagine if everybody heard the truth? Be over with. Our world couldn't take it. Look, this is why I harp on false teachers the way that I do. You, you, you can't back off from exposing them. 
if we just simply shy away from the controversy all for the sake of loving people and never say anything against the heresy that is being taught today, in about five years, that heresy has so much become the norm that it's taught as truth. Stephen Furtick, a really a disciple of T.D. Jakes, who he claims is one of the greatest pastors of all time, and yet he's a heretic. Both of them are modalists. Both of them deny the triunity of the trinity that we know to be understood from Scripture. And yet, the stuff that they teach in modalism and the garbage you've heard, and for those of you who went to the conference, you saw a little clip of, you saw a, little, a couple clips of Furtick, because truth matters, right? But yet these people are huge. Thousands of people watch them and listen because what they say to the average Joe Christian who doesn't know diddly has become the truth. But if somebody like me or anybody else comes across and says, but listen, the Bible says, over here the Bible says, and then the Bible says, we're the buffoons because we've let it go. can't do that. you got to call it out. When any belief system gets well established, no matter how flawed, no matter how incorrect it may be, biblical truth and those who speak it are the ones who become the heretics. People will begin to beat up on myself and others because we simply stand opposed to the absolute utter filth and nonsense that's out there, all in the name of Christianity. So in verse 45, Jesus said, I tell you the truth and you do not believe me. Now in verse 46, Jesus challenges the, 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 the subconscious thinking that causes them to believe the lie. He says, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Can any of you, he says, prove me guilty of sin? The word prove there speaks of a conviction on the basis of evidence. Okay? It's as if Jesus is saying, do you guys have anything on me? Anything? Do you have anything on me? Do you reject these truths because my life does not correspond with what I teach? In other words, it's, is Jesus saying, do you think I'm a hypocrite? What, what's, what? As you know, folks, many accusations were made against Jesus. But as always, he was committed to doing the will of the Father. He knew, of course, how important it was to have that connection between himself and the Father, and therefore not sin. Of course, Jesus is God, and we know that, and so he couldn't sin anyway. But he proved that. He lived it out. People who hated Jesus and wanted him dead scrutinized his behavior, but they could never find anything wrong. They were always grasping at straws, trying to make him anything but who he claimed to be. But Jesus proved that he was God by the fact that he lived a sinless life. And this is why he asks, if I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? 
And I believe that's another rhetorical question that he answers in the very next and last verse. Verse 47. Here's why. He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. This has kind of all come back full circle. He ends here in verse 47 with what he actually began with, which we didn't get into, in verse 31. He challenges the validity of their profession of faith and a relationship with God. I mean, here in verse 47, he might as well have just said, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. He could have just said that. The first half there of verse 47 says, he who belongs to God hears what God says. Now, hearing God is obviously not talking about some audible speaking voice. In this verse, he's obviously talking more about listening to God, obeying God. The New Living Translation does a good job when it says, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. Which is why you see today, how many people say, I don't want to hear that. That's not the God that I worship, right? That's because the God you worship, you created in your own mind. The only true God is what I just told you. I just quoted it from his word. Well, I don't like that. Well, I didn't ask you if you liked it or not. But if you were a believer, you would like it, you'd accept it, you'd live it to the best of your ability. We already know from verses 45 and 46, this wasn't the case. Many times, Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, but you do not believe me. They did not listen. They did not obey God. They didn't care what he had to say. Verse 37, Jesus says, they have no room for my word. They heard him, but they said, "Mm, no way, no. Verse 38, Jesus tells them what he heard was from the Father, from in the Father's presence. But what did they do? They rejected him, and instead they listened to their father, whom Jesus says is the devil. I came from God, and I'm here to tell you something. But ultimately, it's like they're saying, no thanks, because they're listening to their father, the devil, which is something completely different. First John chapter 4, verse 6 says, We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Similarly, right here in John chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. Actually, I'll start in verse 2. Jesus says, The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They listened to him and they obeyed him. 
Those are his sheep. But he ends there in verse 47. But the reason you do not hear me is because you do not belong to God. In other words, for those who do belong to God, this is what they do. They listen and they obey. For these Jews, their absolute rejection of the words of Jesus was a clear reflection of what he says, they did not belong to God. We live in a world of sissies today when we don't like to say stuff like that. Well, that's a little harsh. Well, that's a little tough. Well, it, okay, but it needs to be said. <laughs> that's not of God. Why is it that the church today doesn't seem to get that? The church today has what I call this continual presumption. Somebody walks in the door of any quote-unquote church building, and all of a sudden we just assume they're a believer, and we treat them as such. Sometimes it gets so bad that somebody simply uses the term God bless and we're ready to make them born again. Just like that. Or even worse, some filthy mouth celebrity will drop the F-bomb 20 different times, talk in an interview how he has 11 kids from five different women, but because he cares about the people in Africa, we're ready to make him a saint. What is that about? Why is the church, why are Christians so ignorant? I mean, Jesus kind of made it clear in many areas, not just this one. He doesn't mind challenging people's profession of faith. Matter of fact, today they don't even have to make a profession of faith. Christians will just make them a Christian on their own. But Jesus doesn't mind challenging them. And when he does, he always uses the same standard. What does your life say? I know what your mouth says. I know your claim. I know your profession. Right? Remember Titus 1.16? They claim to know God, but by their deeds, they deny him. Claim, profess, all you want. If you find yourself, or maybe you and a friend, if you find yourself continually making excuses for your own Christian life, maybe you need to do what Paul asked the Corinthians, examine yourself. People don't like to hear that. You're asking me to examine my Christian faith? Yeah, that's right. That's what the Bible says. That's what Paul said. That's what needs to be said sometimes. There are some people out there who make this statement of, I think we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven with who's there. No, no. You're going to be surprised who's not. That's reality. There has to be a time when Christians stop presupposing that because someone is nice, because they are religious, we're supposed to just leave them alone, never share the gospel, never witness, never share anything. 
because we're just going to assume them. We're going to assume them right into hell. That's not our fault. They have to make their own, you know, I don't, I'm not responsible for somebody's eternal destiny, but we do have a responsibility to be faithful. I end this with the simple line that I said earlier. If you claim the name of someone, whether it be Abraham or whether it be Christ, Jesus says you better be able to back it up. Theologically as well as practically. Because, once again, I go back, the truth matters. It's not just a liner. It's not just the name of a conference we went to. The truth matters, especially when it comes to your eternal destiny. Today, we have this box floating around somewhere in the world that is marked Christianity, but everything is everything's in that box. And we allow that to become that way. Every teaching somebody throws out there, right? Mormons, oh, we're all Christians, right. Fertig, Hillsong, Bethel, holy smokes, Bethel's like off the charts cultic. But they're huge. We're just going to take all this wacky stuff and throw it in this box, but it's okay. It's still marked Christianity. Truth matters. We can't just, it just can't be flippant with it. We are the church. We have to teach the truth. We have to tell the truth. If somebody doesn't want to hear it, fine. Tell them anyway. Well, if I'll lose them as my friend, then lose them as your friend. But make sure they're responsible because you gave them the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You let somebody know that's a false teacher, that's heresy, that's blasphemy. That is not biblical Christianity. That's man-made. It's in your own head. I'd rather lose and have no friends but to know that I gave them the truth of the gospel and they're responsible for it. They're mad at you. Okay, let them be mad at me. Truth matters, folks, more than anything, definitely when it pertains to salvation. So many people are misled today. There is a reason why in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said many, many will come to me on that day. How many? I don't know. I'm going to say millions. That's got to be the saddest thing that anybody ever hears in all of history. To stand before Almighty God and Him to look at you and say, I have no idea who you are. What are you talking about? But I went to church, but I listened you know, to this guy or that guy on the radio. Right? I believe this or I believe that. But it's not the truth. You can't just believe what you want, label it Christianity, and think you're going to strut on into heaven telling God, I'm here. But that's the sad note of where we are today. Folks, I don't want to see anybody stand before Almighty God and, and they're so deceived, they think that God's just waiting there in open arms and he casts them into eternal darkness. Truth matters. Please know that, and please share it. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for a time today to look in this text and, and to know that, yeah, there's no, no question that Jesus was a straight shooter. We don't usually walk around telling people, hey, you're a child of the devil. But, Lord, we do have to recognize that there's truth to that. 
Lord, help us to see as Christians, there is no middle ground. There is no, is he a Christian? Well, Lord, there is no well. There either he is or he isn't. And Lord, we we live in such a time where we just don't want to be offensive. And we go back to those words, tolerant, politically correct, and all that kind of stuff. Lord, we can be loving to people, but loving is telling the truth. Lord, help us to know this. Help us to understand the truth of Christianity, not to get sucked into what societal Christianity says versus the truth of the Word of God. And Lord, I know there are differences out there that we can agree to disagree on some things with believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. But Lord, we are all grounded together, rooted in the gospel. But Lord, we live in a time today when people think they can literally reject you their entire life and somehow are going to spend time with you in heaven. It's sad. God, help us to be faithful. Help us to show people our own life where a believer's life is transformed. But help us to to honor you by, Lord, taking those opportunities to share our faith, to share what the truth is, to talk about repentance and sin, depravity, and most importantly, the death of Jesus Christ, the fact that he died and rose again. And if we trust in him, turn to him, put our faith in him and not ourselves, we can be saved, we can be born again, we can have a transformed life. Lord, help us to understand it and to be able to share it because it might have a difference in somebody's eternity. Thank you, Lord, that we can be here to just remind ourselves of this today. In Jesus' name, amen.